Oh, we can talk about it. So the reason why I, I, I left Toastmasters, aside from the fact that I already finished the program, is because I was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, March of 2014. And after I'd gone through a year of, of treatment, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, the whole gamut, they discovered that even though I'd gone through all that treatment, it had metastasized to my lung. So, so, so for the past uh, seven, seven or eight years, my life has been a blessing, a gift, right? Everything, every, every breath that I breathe is a gift because without modern technology, I wouldn't be living today. The, the type of cancer that wants to be in my body is a type of cancer that 20 years ago was a death sentence. And modern technology it has afforded me a life. I, there are women who have the type of cancer that wants to invade my body for 20 and 30 years that are still living full and, and beautiful lives going through the same treatment that I go through. So every day, every three weeks for the rest of my luscious long life, I receive an infusion of, of, of beautiful life-giving serum that keeps me alive. Welcome to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast, where paradigms shift. Impossible becomes I'm possible, and weirdos are exposed for who they really are, pure geniuses. With your host, who walked from Chicago to L.A. just because he could, the one and only Mr. Weirdo, a.k.a. Rashid Huda. So, Candace, welcome to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast. I'm uh, really excited to be here, Rashid. Yeah. It's nice to catch up with you. Likewise, likewise. I have known you what about eight, nine, ten years, something like that. Oh yeah, something like that. Uh, we first met uh, as Toastmasters, and I remember you doing your presentation about you being a geek. <laughs> and then I, I am find, a geek. I admit I it. Find, yeah, and then I find out that. You have a website called Mom Geek. Mm -hmm. I still about, do. Yeah, tell me about that. So, uh, in 1999, my husband and I launched an online custom furniture business, and we had a web host and web designer based in South Carolina who was a, a mom. She was a stay at home mom. And something happened in her life, and she had to give up the business. And she told me that she was going to try to sell her web design business. And I was like, well, why not? So I bought it from her. <laughs> so ah. so um, I bought a web design business and I bought the domain name momgeek.com and I was, I used it, just, I set it up as a, as a web design web hosting business. Um, and then I sold that in about 2005, I think. So um, I kept the domain because I, at that point I had been mom geek for so long, I didn't want to give it up, but it sat there and did nothing for, um, probably seven or eight years where it just sat and did nothing. Um, well, I, actually, you and I met probably in 2007. So I didn't sell the, I sold the the business probably then in 2008. If you, if you and I met through Toastmasters, then I probably didn't sell till 2008. So my timeline is off. But I'd been mom geek, at that point, I'd been mom geek for almost 10 years. Holy crap. But then it sat still for it and did nothing for a long time. Uh, because I was focused on the furniture business and I just didn't have time for anything else. Uh, but then someone introduced me to this tool that allows you to send greeting cards online and then mm -hmm. a real physical greeting card shows up in the mail. Well, now there's an app, but back then it was just a website. And I was enamored with this tool 
because it was something I needed for my furniture business. So um, I signed up and I started sharing it with other people just because it was such a cool tool, but uh, it gave me a reason to relaunch the Mom Geek website so that I'd have something to blog, I'd have a place to blog about this greeting card business. And um, the greeting card business turned into a business because so many people liked the concept. So that's what happened. And, but now um, I, I subsequently launched a coaching business. So, so now if you go to momgeek.com, it's more about my coaching business than it is about the greeting card business. But I still do the greeting card business. Oh, um, and my, that's, that's how we reconnected after the Toastmaster. We, we worked together in the send out card business. And uh, as a matter of fact, I am doing a speech uh, on Sunday talking about uh, the prompting uh, academy that I attended with you in 2017 where I picked up the idea of the I am statements and that's what my speech is about is uh, be careful what you put after I am I I love your energy where does that energy come from so you can't really answer a question like that because it's like asking somebody why their eyes are brown mm -hmm. or their hair is black it's genetics, right? Although I think you, your answer would be that it's because I'm weird. The kind of person that you can't put in a, mm -hmm. you can't pigeonhole me. I've, I've always uh, done my best to befriend everybody. I, you know, if, if you've ever been in a room with me and I've invited a lot of people, I don't know, you were at my going away party. I have a broad spectrum of people in my life because, because I like to be weird and weird's attractive, I guess. <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I can introduce a um, someone whose jo job is a journeyman welder to an engineer, and I can figure out a way to connect them to each other so that that makes sense. And it, it's a, it does make me weird, but it also makes me a great connector. So when did you first realize that you were weird? Oh, when I was in high school, oh, probably grade school. Okay, so I'm Asian. And my very first experience where I, I knew that I, discovering that I was, that people looked at me like I was different. So I'm in second grade and uh, back in the day, playgrounds didn't have the safe tool, the safe, uh, you know, safe equipment that they have today. So it was like 19, in the seventies. And I'm playing in this um, pile of tires. It was like my favorite place to play is this, this mountain of tires in the playground at school. And a little boy, pops his head up. He's probably a second grader. He wasn't in my class, but a second grader pops his head up over these tires and he pulls his fingers, his eyes back with his fingers and he calls me a Jap. And I looked at him and said, I'm not Japanese, I'm Korean. And, but that was the first time that I knew I was different. And I'm not saying I'm, that, that my weirdness comes from me being a, an Asian kid. It, but and that was when I realized that I wasn't like everybody uh -huh. else in the room and um, so that so how how did that help you growing up or how did that create challenges for for you growing up so my response was i'm not japanese i'm korean and some kids response would have been to cry so i i think that in, instinctually i've always just been kind of a rebel mm -hmm. even even at seven years old i've been a rebel so uh, I didn't let it hold me back. I embraced it, which is, that's going to be your show. Embrace your inner weirdo.
only Asian, only Korean. Well, there was a there was another Asian family at this particular school I went to. But, you know, when you're a, one of a handful of kids that isn't white in an all white mm-hmm. school <laughs> and you just realize that for the first time, <laughs> you know, you, you can do two things. You can either shut up and hide in the corner or you can embrace who you are. And so I just became a loud, a, a loud, weird kid. Only knew I am. Yeah. And I don't that didn't come from my parents. It came, it's I don't know. I, I, maybe it goes back to my, you know, my my grandmothers across the board and my great grandmothers across the board. They were all rebels in their own way. I mean, my, my father's mother was a hippie in the 1950s. I mean, she was like the original hippie from San Francisco. And um, her her mother lived in um, her 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 mother it was her, no her grandmother lived in in uh, Galveston in 19 in the 1900s raising her kids by herself in the 1900s in Galveston while her husband was living with another woman in another country in another part of the state and then uh 10 years later they were all living together again in California I mean so she I mean she was a she was a rebel and you know there's other women in in other women in the you know in my family history who own their own businesses they own you know one of my one of my great great grandmothers owned a bar you know there and we're talking 1800s she owned a bar uh-huh. in the 1800s so so i i think it's just this history of strong women in in you know my family history i didn't get it from my personal parents but that history is is there a lot of personal challenges in your life um do you want to talk about it or do we skip over it Oh, we can talk about it. So the reason why I, I I left Toastmasters, aside from the fact that I already finished the program, is because I was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, March of 2014. And after I'd gone through a year of of treatment, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, the whole gamut, they discovered that even though I'd gone through all that treatment, it had metastasized to my lung. So... So, so for the past uh, seven, seven or eight years, my life has been a blessing, a gift, right? Everything, every, every breath that I breathe is a gift because without modern technology, I wouldn't be living today. The, the type of cancer that wants to be in my body is a type of cancer that 20 years ago was a death sentence. And modern technology it has afforded me a life. That I, there are women who have the type of cancer that wants to invade my body for 20 and 30 years that are still living full and and beautiful lives going through the same treatment that I go through. So every day, every three weeks for the rest of my luscious long life, I receive an infusion of, of, of beautiful life-giving serum that keeps me alive. It's a beautiful thing. Science, science is wonderful. You, you embrace life through that challenge and all the effects that came along with it. Not only that you embraced it, uh, you made the best of it. Uh, I see you got a uh, pink wig on right now. Uh, (laughs) Actually, I just ordered a new wig because my next door neighbor who I don't like at all, and and I like everybody, so for me not to like somebody, it's pretty serious, just dyed her hair pink. So I have a b- new blue wig coming in the mail. I want you to understand how how um how significant that is. For me not to like somebody, you have to be pretty darn obnoxious. It also tells me something else that weirdos are not only being accepted, 
in the society these days. They're looked at as role models. Um, I'm kind of against modeling yourself after other people. I think you should Absolutely. be your own person. Because my pink wig doesn't make me unique or weird. It just happens to be, you know, of the eight wigs that I have in my closet, it happens to be the one that I think looks the best on me. There was this, this coach, a marketing coach years ago, 10, 15 years ago, who was, she was like the first influencer in the marketing field. And she had, um, she had like this pink streak through her hair, or maybe it was a blue streak in her hair. And I noticed that people who wanted to emulate her would put a colored streak in their hair, thinking that the colored streak in their hair is going to make them famous. And that emulating somebody else's look doesn't make you famous. Doing something remarkable makes you famous. And famous, famous is relative. I mean, I, I coach micro influencers is my is my niche in coaching. And to be a micro influencer only means you've got influence over 250 to 500 people. But the influence is amazing and strong and profitable and, you know, helpful. I, I don't, it's not always about money. Sometimes it's just about the connections that you make. But um, yeah, my, having pink hair doesn't make me a micro influencer. The fact that I spend time, quality time trying to make connections for people is it makes me a micro influencer. So this morning, before I log, literally five minutes before we logged on to the Zoom, I was sending an email to three people connecting them because I thought they needed to know each other. So tell me, tell me about this idea of micro influencer. Uh, everybody talks about influencers, it's micro influencers. This is something different. It is, and so influencers, in my opinion, are laughable because they do everything they do for money. Micro influencers do what they do for connections and genuine and building genuine relationships. So the the objection the obje overall objective if you wanted to be a micro influencer is that you build a community of people who appreciate you and who listen to what you have to say. That's what being a okay. micro influencer is. And it's 250 to 500 people. And with an audience of 200 to 500 people, you literally can build a business and make money if you're doing if you're doing it correctly. You don't need to have 100,000 followers. You can have 500 followers and be considered an, a micro-influencer and do it profitably. Honestly, if you've got 1,000 people following you on Instagram, chances are only 10 of them actually ever see anything you post. It's, you, you don't need to have a big following. You need to have the right following. You don't need to have a lot of clients. You need to have the right clients. So tell me about your coaching program. It's called Micro Influencer Magic. It's a group coaching program. It's super inexpensive. It's seriously, it's $99 a month. So once a month we hop on and we do group, group coaching where you, you bring your, your marketing issues because being a micro influencer, it's about marketing. So micro influence and marketing go hand in hand. So you bring your marketing issue, we work on it together as a group. And then the second group coaching session of the month is called a marketing lab where we literally take your marketing piece and we tear and we rip it apart and we put it back together. So uh, it's it. And then, and then there's the online aspect of it. So we have a community and we share in the community. And then, um, so it's group, it's group coaching. It's like, here's my problem. How can we fix it? And then the group fixes it. Cause there's something beautiful about the hive mind. I think the hive mind works way better than I, I love democracy because I think democracy is a better solution than autocracy or, or um, 
um, oligarchy or any of that, whatever, whatever you think that we politically where we are now, it's, it's not where we are. In a truly de democratic situation, everybody has an equal say. And so group coaching, everybody has an equal say. So it's a democratic way of looking at a problem and coming up with a solution. And then it's up to the, to the client whether or not they're going to take the suggestions because, you know, people are weird. People should be weird and they do their own thing. And sometimes you know better than like that. One of my clients actually came to us with a, with a name for her website and none of us liked it until she explained it to us. And then we all loved it. Same, same thing with my idea of weirdo. I've been calling myself Mr. Weirdo since 1997. Officially, that was the first time I introduced yeah. myself as Mr. Weirdo. And I've only ever known you as Mr. Weirdo. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what your real last name is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, and people are like, why? And I had a marketing coach who wanted to work with me, and we, we thought we were um, doing well until just before she sent me the invoice. I got an email in which she said, uh, you know, I have great plans for uh, – what you you would love it and uh, so get ready to rock and roll mr weirdo no more and i wrote back to her saying if you think i must become mr weirdo no more we have a communication problem because that's my brand and i never mm -hmm. heard back from her never got an invoice never heard back from her uh, so yeah people have trouble Sometimes people don't understand why you do things that you do, but you do it from your, because it's, it's your inner calling. It's who you are that brings out. Yeah. And, um, and you shouldn't ever let anybody tell you not to be who you really are. Absolutely. I mean, who else can you be? Exactly. So, there's room, there's room on this big planet for everybody and all ideas, all thought processes. There's room for all of us. We don't have to conform. Tell me what's your definition of success? Okay. So I, my definition, definition of success means that I am content with my results. And uh, would you say your success is because of, or despite of the fact that you're weird? Yeah, that's a tough question. That's a really tough question because my husband is my business partner and my success is also 50% due in part to him. So with, without him, I mean, I'm thinking about my, the original business that we started, not my coaching business, not my greeting card business, but the original business that we started was the custom furniture business. And that's the foundation for everything, right? It's the foundation for who we are and everything that we do after that. And without him as my business partner and me as his business partner, steering the ship in the right direction, we, we wouldn't have the success that we have. And it's phenomenal. We have amazing success in our custom furniture business. So, but again, some people might not think it's we're successful because there's only the two of us. He does all the building and we have 10 clients a year. However, we charge a lot of money for those 10 clients, which is in our opinion, successful. But we didn't get to the point where we can charge a lot of money overnight. We had to build to that point through years and years and years of hard work and lots and lots of testimonials that I got from clients because I sent them thank you cards and gifts. So it all, it all wraps together. 
right? Everything, everything is a big, <sighs> truly being weird means that you don't, you're not just, it's not just one thing, right? I'm not just a coach that teaches people how to market so they become micro-influencers. That's not what I am. I'm a woman who launched an internet-based business in 1999 with her husband and found great success by our own definition. And without doing that, I wouldn't be able to teach people today how to do their own micro-influencer, how to find their own micro-influencer magic. I wouldn't be able to do that if we hadn't figured out how to be micro-influencers in 1999. And people might think, how can you survive on 10, 10 clients? Uh, can you give give us an idea of the kind of clients that you yeah so our clients inc our clients include grammy award-winning artists people who have created oscar-winning movies uh fortune 500 executives television stars movie stars um just the creme de la creme that's but we didn't get there overnight it took us 23 years well 20 it took us 15 years to get to the point where we were that is who our niche was. That's who our clients were. It didn't happen overnight. We worked really, really hard. So when those are your clients, you can afford to only have 10 a year. <laughs> you know? Now you also have, and I believe it's both of you also have an interest in Star Trek or Star Wars rather. Um, we, <laughs> it's part of our brand, but it, we're not, fanatics the way that you might think that we are i mean you, if you're if, if you can if you were on the video i'm not sure if you, you've got a video of this but behind me is a bunch of star wars art and that star wars art is there because people know that we like sci-fi and so they send me they give me sci-fi art <laughs> but it's like somebody says that they like chickens and the next thing you know everybody's giving them a gift of chickens yep. So we do love sci-fi, but not necessarily Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, actually, right now we're listening to, uh, we love Audible. So we're both listening to some Audible books and we just finished listening to the five books in the Bobaverse. If you like sci-fi, I highly recommend Bobaverse. I can't remember the name of the, um, the author, but just Google Bobaverse and you'll find his four books. They were really, really good. And Shane is listening to the Expanse series of novels with something like 14 of them. So it'll take us two years to listen to all of them. I haven't started those yet because I've been working. Um, but he's he's uh, building furniture and finishing furniture right now. So he's got his headphones on and listening to books while he's building furniture and, and finishing furniture. He's listening to books. So I'll catch up with him eventually because my downtime will come when I have more time to listen. Um, but yeah, we, we love sci-fi. It's one of the things that um, attracted us to each other. But it's not necessarily just Star Wars and Star Trek. <laughs> Well, Candace, thank you so much for taking time out from your busy schedule and uh, being here and uh, sharing your wisdom and your personal life and uh, all these things. Uh, you have your own business. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, learn from you, where do they go? Momgeek.com. Everything you need to, to know to get a hold of me is on momgeek.com. Momgeek.com. And you know, you were on my podcast once. Yes. You should link to yeah, that too. So that was, Happily Homeless. That was right before right before I embarked embarked on my Route 66. I know you you you, you want to compliment me, but Rashid, you are an amazing man. And everything that you do 
it has a purpose and a reason. And I know that you are going to do fantastic with this podcast. Well, thank you. It's the perfect, it's the perfect thing for you to do. Thank you. I appreciate so I'm excited for you. Yeah. I I'm appreciate it. And I, I, I appreciate that encouragement and validation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast, where we debunk the myth that weirdo is a four-letter word. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Share it with a friend and leave a tip if you like the show.